and welcome back everybody to the 86th ever edition of the West Coast Preps podcast. We're nearing 100 episodes, which we'll get to sometime this summer, but Memorial Day weekend's over. We hope everyone had a great Memorial Day weekend. I am Chris Saxon, joined here by Gregory Moreland Tune. How was your Memorial Day, Greg? Pretty good. You know, took a little vacation and went uh, camping this year. So it was, uh, it was a fun uh, little trip. That's good. That's yeah, good. How about you? It was good. I went to the A's game on Sunday. I think the first professional sporting event I've been to since. To see them lose. Yeah, to see them lose. I'm not thrilled, thrilled about that one. But at least I was at a game. Felt normalcy again. But it was my first professional game since Bobon's 37-point explosion or whatever he had the night mm-hmm. the NBA shut down. So it was it good was to be back and be, be yeah. around some fans again and feel normal. Finally some normalcy in the, in the world for, uh, for all of us. Yeah, I'm noticing it's it's really starting to feel like. So I mean that's normal. Yeah, it feels like life again. You know the in the A's are now, well the A's are social distancing anyway, so they're the creators of that. But we'll see how much longer they're in Oakland. Maybe four or five years. We'll find out. But that's pushing it. They might go play in the AAA stadium in Vegas. And probably better than the Coliseum. Get more fans there than they do here. But we do have quite a bit of high school sports this uh, this week. And we're coming up on CCS playoffs now. Yeah, I mean, we've had we had a really busy week last week, right? I mean, you had all these crazy like the schedule craziness, like we've mentioned before, is one game gets canceled, one game gets pushed back. What happens? You call a team up the night before, you come up with crazy schedule. Now this upcoming weekend, University is going to be playing Bishop O'Dowd in boys basketball, and we've seen what these schools have done. Universities played Piedmont, Piedmont's played Dublin. I mean, the list goes on and on. We had a lot of great games. We saw Piedmont University boys basketball over the weekend on Saturday. Piedmont, its sixth game in six days, went four and one in those previous five games, beat Dublin. The one loss was to O'Dowd. Fatigue set in University, played a great defense. University was thinking the night before they're going to slow it down, right? Then their head coach wakes up that game day morning, decides, no, the heck with that. Screw that game plan. We're going to run it fast. We're going to run fast with Piedmont. They knew Piedmont was tired. But with University, they held Piedmont to 56 points. It's second lowest total of the season. The only time it scored fewer than that was against Camp Linda, who's the number one team in the Bay Area, just went undefeated this year. University, though, coming through. Now they're a top 10 basketball program in the Bay Area. Joey Kennedy, that sophomore center they have, I think he finished with 28 points in this game. An absolute monster. University's got a lot of freshmen. They've got a lot of sophomores rolling through that program. Their JV team destroyed Piedmont, too. So university basketball these next few years is going to be phenomenal. Joey Kennedy's going to be leading the way. He's going to be someone, I think, here in these next few years is going to be an MVP candidate, not only in that league, but also in the Bay Area, too. So they did a great job. They helped Piedmont to just over 30% from three-point range and obviously a stark contrast to what they did against Dublin earlier in the week when they were 12 of 15 in the first half before finishing 19 of 30. University gets the big win. We've seen so many other games this week. Greg, do you have any takeaways just from this past week of high school sports action out here? Uh, I think one is, you know, Piedmont, we talked about their schedule, six games in six days. Just, you know, the kids getting through that in general. We talked about Dublin, Piedmont's, you know, everyone's schedule this year has been crazy. Um, and then we have CCS playoffs, which have been, uh, so far, been pretty, pretty good. We had the soccer boys and girls championships that you went to earlier. I know boys volleyball is happening right now as well. And then, you know, you got baseball, 
track and field coming up and golf as well, who just had their semis uh, or regionals, I should say, uh, yesterday, um, actually. So uh, I'm just excited for the, the competition to, to come back and playoffs. You know, it's something that we haven't had in a long time since last March and whatnot. So it's, uh, it's a different feeling to have playoffs back. It's really especially great to see that for some of these spring sports athletes that lost almost their entire seasons last year and didn't get a postseason. So they baseball, softball, track, you name those spring sports, they're going to have postseasons again this year, which is a great thing to see in the CCS. And you actually mentioned the CCS soccer championships we covered Friday morning game in San Francisco, the afternoon in San Jose, Bellarmine against Sacred Heart Cathedral on the boys' side in the open division. Dynastic run for Bellarmine, its fourth straight CCS title. They win this game. They shut out Sacred Heart Cathedral. Their defense this year allowed 10 goals total in 14 games. You had Yoni Eidelberg scored the first goal. You had Seiji Matsuda also scored. And Paxson Hall scored the final goal of that game. But Bellarmine, terrific performance. Terrific season, too, for the Bells. And they had a lot of talent. Yoni Eidelberg's going to be playing Division I soccer in Lehigh. Seiji Matsuda is going out to college out in Brooklyn to continue his soccer career, too. So Bellarmine's got a lot of special pieces there. They've had a great run so far. And those seniors, just hours before graduation, ended their high school careers with the CCS title. So that was a great thing to see for Bellarmine. And then on the women's side, Mitty against Lee in the Open Division Championship game for CCS as well. Mitty, also a dynastic run, fourth straight CCS title. The freshman, Gordon Gase, three goals, a hat trick. Unbelievable performance from her. Yeah, I mean, she's uh, all of a sudden I'm looking down. I'm like, wait, she's a freshman. Are you serious? Easily one of the best prospects in America. I know you've seen her earlier this year, but she is one of the leaders of that team already. These next three years with her are going to be crazy. And she comes from her great family legacy. Her brother's committed to Oregon for baseball. Her dad played in the Oakland A's organization. Her uncle played basketball at Vanderbilt. So she said there's a lot of pressure on her, but she's living up to these expectations. You could definitely say more than living up to them because look at what she just did as a freshman at Mitty for one of the country's top women's soccer programs and for the CCS champion. She scores three goals in the championship game. And she scored a goal in the game that I went to as well. Um, very talented. And, you know, in the two games that we've been to, she's scored four goals. So obviously uh, – She's doing something well to have that in the championship game just shows maybe she got a little mama mentality in her, you know, comes up in the clutch type stuff. So as you can tell, she's, she's confident out there too. She's a competitor. She's got an edge out there and that's a fun thing to watch. Yeah. And it's impressive as a freshman, you know, you know, usually it takes some time to get into, into that mode, but she's found that as a freshman and can only imagine what she's going to do as a senior um, with that midi squad. I, if I were an opponent, I would not want to know. Yeah. I mean, maybe just triple teamer I don't know yeah you know how there's the box and one in basketball let's just do the box and one in soccer let's put 10 girls around her then just the goalie back there I I don't think that's gonna work there's a reason you're a soccer coach yeah no that's not gonna work but to stop her that might be the only way to try to neutralize her yeah but there are uh what is there 11 people on a soccer field or 10 11 so there's there's other girls on midi that are more than willing to score. Oh, maybe. yeah. No, Midi, Midi is loaded. Uh, they're going to be loaded for years, too. They're losing a good, some good seniors from this team, but they're going to be reloading again. And 
They've got a lot. They've got girls like Jordan coming through. They're going to be very good. And another takeaway from this past week, also in women's sports, get some big wins. Yet Salesian beats Heritage. Greg, you were at that game when Salesian gets that big win. San Ramon Valley beats Carondelet. San Ramon Valley goes 11 and 0 in the regular season. Really, just crazy stuff that happened within that program because their head coach John Cristiano, a little a week and a half ago, suffered a heart attack there. Made it through, luckily. Thank goodness he did. He was back out there at the Carondelet game, sitting courtside. He and I were talking for a while. His son, actually, Joe Cristiano, coached that game against Carondelet and beat the previously undefeated Cougars and legendary head coach Kelly Sopak out there. It was great to see John back out there doing well. A lot of people were coming up to him, making sure he was okay. You can tell he just he loves basketball. He loves these girls. There was, there was no way he was not going to be in that arena, at least supporting those players and those girls because he invested a lot in that program. And it's shown, look at what they've done since he's taken over these last five years. They've won multiple East Bay Athletic League titles. They've won a North Coast section title last year. And this year, undefeated regular season against a very good schedule. The Santa Monica Valley special season, and we're all very, very happy that John Cristiano is doing okay. And he's back out there and able to go at least support some of these girls. Because I know that they won it for him. And like his son Joe said after the game, he won it for Pops. Yeah, it's one of those things that you don't realize uh, just how much a basketball team or any sports team turns into a family. You know, a lot of times you spend way more time with your teammates than you do with your friends and family, you know, during practice and meetings or whatever, whatever it is, all the Zoom meetings that everyone has had this year. There's some nothing better than that family camaraderie that you create, uh, especially when you get to the end of the season and then you go through something like that. It just brings everyone that much closer to so to have them on the sidelines and for them to pull out that big of a win just shows, you know, family kind of pushes through everything and kind of one of those destiny wins for uh, San Ramon Valley on that one. It was. They pulled a tough win there. San Ramon Valley usually scores a lot of points, but Carondelet played phenomenal defense, really played up on Natalie Pasco in this game. But, of course, what does Natalie Pasco do? She gets another double-double still. You have the freshman Sierra Chambers had a big game there. It's scary to think that she's a freshman because she's fearless. She was playing against the UC Davis commit Nia Epps and made it really, really tough on Nia Epps there defending her. I mean, the San Juan Valley team next year, too, is going to be phenomenal. They had no seniors this year also. So you got to think this group going into next year is definitely going to be rated again as one of the top teams in the Bay Area because right now they're number four behind Midi at number one, Powell at number two, who we saw earlier in the week. When they beat Lindbrook and Courtney Thompson hit seven threes and at 25 points. And then Salesian, who you saw, number three at 12 and one. And do you have any thoughts on that Salesian team now that you got to see them as well? Yeah, the Salesian team just doesn't miss, it seems like. I got it right in front of me. They had 12 threes in that game. Um, and it seemed like they just did not miss. Um, and it was spread out. You know, one had five, one had two, one had three, and then a couple other ones from a couple other ladies. And it was just you know, clean basketball. They were down early to Heritage. Heritage obviously has a lot of talent on that team, one of the better teams in the Bay Area for sure. But once the Legion got hot, it just – it didn't matter what Heritage did. They could be in her face, and it wasn't going to matter. They were going to hit the shot. Um, you know, Heritage tried to play zone, and it worked early on, but then Salesian figured out, like all good teams do, they figure out a way to, to get through it, and that's what, exactly what they did. So Salesian – 
the main thing I got from them is their offense is scary because they have a lot of girls that can shoot and they just don't seem like they miss. Um, and then they play good defense down in the second half as well. Um, they just didn't give Heritage really much of anything out there. So, <clears throat> Salesian, definitely a top three team, I would say. I, we've watched Pinewood. I've seen Midi as well. I, I'd say those are the three top three teams without a doubt, um, just in terms of shooting, defense, um, heart, coaching, all that sort of stuff. It, it was impressive to watch all three of them. Yeah, you mentioned that they're coaching all these programs in this top four, top five, top six, right? That coaching is elite and some of the best coaches, not just in Northern California, but the entire state and the entire West Coast. I'm excited for the CCS playoffs, too, to have meeting and Pinewood in there. Maybe they get another rematch in a CCS championship game. I know Pinewood seniors, one thing they never got is a CCS championship, and they want that this year. Mitty's going to be a tough matchup. We all know that. Mitty's the class of the Bay Area. They're the class of Northern California, but Let's see. Something. Do you have predictions of the game? Let's just let's just stay there in the final. What what's your prediction? Midi seventy-five, Pinewood sixty-five. Wow. You're still gonna roll with Midi, huh? Yeah, I'm still rolling with Midi. What about you? Uh, I I don't know because I've seen Pinewood twice, only Midi once, and the one game I went to Midi they lost. So maybe that's kind of creeping in my head, but Pinewood's just dominant. So I, I'm leaning towards Pinewood at this moment. But the only game I've seen Mitty play is they lost to St. Mary's. Obviously a great team in St. Mary's too. But you know, I think that just kind of is pushing me over the edge a little bit. Guess we'll have to wait and see. Something we got to do too. We're going to make this happen here the next week or two. Since there's no NCS playoffs, we're going to make some NCS open division playoff brackets. We're going to make our own open division for some of these sports. Kind of have some fun with it. So – Stay tuned next week. We'll have some of that. I'll work over that over the weekends and we'll get that out there and we'll send you guys some brackets and then we'll also make predictions on these brackets too. So we'll get some of that in there because I know there's no NCS postseason, unfortunately, but we'll still make something for you guys, for all you men and women. So let's have some fun with that. What's some more takeaways from this past week? We've mentioned University Boys Basketball really jumping up. They jumped up six spots in the boys basketball rankings. You can check that out at westcoastpreps.com. Reardon's really hot. They lost to Mitty in the league championship, but that's Mitty, right? That's that's a very, very quality loss. Reardon's won 10 of his last 11. University's only loss, too, was to Reardon by nine points earlier this season. Dublin season finished. They had a crazy schedule. Doherty Valley keeps moving up. They had a great season there to finish it against a very tough schedule. You got St. Joseph, Notre Dame. Just a lot of different great programs in here. You've had Granada had that split with Dublin there to end the season. Cardinal Newman, 14-1. and one. They won 14 in a row since opening the year with that loss to De La Salle, who is number 11 in the polls on Piedmont. Another week of basketball for them. They've got a fun schedule coming up again. Another head coach in Ben Spencer that's definitely not afraid of just scheduling some great competition with JoJo Murphy, Luke Harris, A.J. Harris. Just say that Piedmont's got some player of the year candidates. JoJo Murphy and Luke Harris for sure are player of the year candidates. Um, they've been absolutely balling all year long. Um, the first game that I went to was right after they lost to Campo. Um, JoJo Murphy just absolutely went off. I think he had 32 or something like that. He had some crazy assists behind the back, perfect passes. Uh, basically everything he did turned into gold in that game. And he's been doing that all year long. So, 
Um, it's been it's been fun to watch him. Uh, and definitely a player of the year candidate. But there's quite a few of them out there this year. A lot of great players uh, in this this season. There, there really are. So it's going to be fun. JoJo Murphy is a guy who's got one of the most beautiful shots that you'll see. You can see he's put a lot of time on that thing, and it's working. With that Lakeshore AAU squad, too, that's got well, a lot of talent on that squad as well. But JoJo Murphy's doing a great thing there at Piedmont. So they got another year remaining there, too. So it's going to be really exciting to see what he does with a full year next season with kind of a more normal offseason this year, too. He can do more AAU tournaments do more work on indoor courts as well. So let's see what Jojo Murphy does. But let's also go into, we're going to, we're doing a new series here every Saturday. We're highlighting five sleeper prospects in football throughout the Bay area. Every week we've got, we had five more came out for part two on over last week. And we announced that on Saturday at westcoastpreps.com. Make sure to take a look at that. One of these, I know we've talked about him before. Fortunately, he did suffer an injury early on there in the year. But Joshua Nisa, the former San Leandro defensive lineman who's now at Stellar Prep, absolute beast. They, he's probably one of the biggest sleeper athletes, not just in this region, but also across the entire country. Yeah, and I think the thing with him is we've seen him at every single showcase that we've been to, essentially, that there's a lineman portion, at least. Um, that dude works harder than – anyone I've ever seen. I've seen him work out. I've seen him do sessions, training sessions. I've seen him at the camps. Dude works his absolute butt off and he'll show up to multiple camps a day. I saw him on Twitter post that he had two camps in one day. Uh, I think he went down south for that or something like that. I mean, the dude just absolutely is one of the hardest working guys. So whenever he does get that the scholarship opportunities and gets to college, I know that they're going to get someone that is going to work his butt off um so i really love anisa i think he's uh he's going to do something really 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 good um in the next uh rest of his career yes he is and another one of these sleeper prospects too is freedom quarterback les callen another class of 2022 kid we've seen him a lot the bval's leading passer in 2021 he had eight touchdowns and 970 passing yards yeah, I mean, and this guy, his attitude, um, we've talked about it all the time off there. He just never stops smiling, you know, so I think that's contagious sometimes um, where he's just always going to be smiling. There's always going to be a good mood on the sidelines with him, a good leader uh, with that quality as well. So I'm excited to see where he ends up next year. Um, a lot of great quarterbacks in that BVAL, a lot of great teams in the BVAL right now. Um, you know, from Pitt to Liberty, you know, all the way to everyone. And Heritage had a great season as well with their new coaching staff, did a great job this year. So I'm excited to see where he goes. And now that he has a full season as well, um, you know, not playing just BBL teams. I know they played Camp Alindo for one non-league game this year as well, but there's a lot more games for him to show opportunity and kind of see where his game's at next year. And he's going to put a lot of work in because that's just the kind of dude he is. And he's a golfer. So I haven't played golf with him, but he's a. Yeah. That quarterback class there in the BVAL this upcoming season is kind of ridiculous. You have to say, because 
I know Pittsburgh loses Eli Brickhand, but he split snaps with Jaden Rosada, a four-star prospect there who's got, you know, a miss offer recently. Lane Kiffin offered him. Florida just offered him. You've got Nate Bell at Liberty. You've got, I mean, then you've got just less calendar freedom. So that BVAL quarterback class is really special these next yeah. few years. And another sleeper prospect out at Foothill, a league champion this year. His father is also the Las Vegas Raiders offensive coordinator. Going for Kenny Olson, a wide receiver and linebacker at Foothill. He had 260 receiving yards and three scores. Also two rushing touchdowns. He had four tackles for loss and an interception and 31 tackles. I mean, what else can you say about this dude? He's just trying to do it all type of guy for you and not really sure why he is under-recruited. Um, you can see as production on the field, he did everything. Um, caught the ball, ran the ball, got touchdowns, had played great defense as well. Um, I, I don't – it's one of those things, barrier versus everybody type thing where we're just under-recruited. All these guys are incredible. Um, in terms of their position, in terms of what they do well. Obviously, everyone has things to work on, but um, Kenny Olsen, just throw him in another guy where it doesn't make sense. I don't even know what to say about him because it just doesn't really make sense at this point. Yeah, now he, he told me he is hearing from some Mountain West schools in an interview there, I believe, in late April. And another super prospect, too. Bellarmine had a few. They have their senior, Thomas Anderson. They also got their junior quarterback, Wade Smith. He did have an injury there late in the year, but there for 238 yards and one touchdown, completed 60% of his passes. I know they really like him too, especially in that spread offense. And now with an actual normal offseason here instead of just virtual stuff with the new coaching staff, Wade Smith will get a few months there in person to really hone in on this playbook even more. But he's another prospect to really look forward to in this Bay Area coming into this, I guess, fall 2021 season. We just had the fall 2021 spring – or spring 2021 football season, I should say. Now we got this fall 2021 season, football season as well. Yeah, you get two seasons here in 2021. But one thing I'll say about Wade Smith is he's tough. Uh, the one Bellarmine game I went to this year, he got rocked a few times in the backfield, always got up and came back out on the field. Um, I know he split snaps a little bit this year as well, but the dude is absolutely tough. Um, always came back on the field, even though I probably would have just stayed on the sideline after the hits he took against Valley Christian that day. Um, I think Dominic Oliver got him one time, and that's one big dude taking a hit from. So I'm excited to see what he does with the full offseason, full um, season next year, getting full 10 games in and possibly more with that Bellarmine squad. Uh, we'll see what, what he does his senior year, though. Yes, we will. And now another player to also get into for these late <clears throat> sleeper prospects is Bishop O'Dowd Jr. running back. Matt Whitey at 398 rushing yards, six touchdowns, averaged over six yards per carry. He won a league title. He also had 207 receiving yards and two touchdowns. He had a game-winning score there to really seal the deal against San Leandro there on the road. He's another guy under David Perry. I know David Perry's really going to be pushing him out. He does a great job. Obviously, a coach of the year. There's, you can check out his interview. On the podcast, go to our YouTube page and check that out. Also, a story at westcoastpreps.com. But Matt White's another really undervalued prospect because you see the do-it-all kind of – and that's something a lot of people, colleges and pro teams are really looking for nowadays too is right, that running back that can also line up outside like a Saquon Barkley's done that. But you're seeing that with so many more running backs and Matt White's in that mold of just really versatile athletes out there on the offensive side of the football. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to see Bishop O'Dowd play this year, um, but 
you know, from hearing good things about him and seeing his numbers, uh, definitely someone who can do just a little bit of everything. Um, you know, catching 20 passes out of the backfield as a, as a running back, I should say, is impressive. Um, you know, maybe a little bit reminiscent of James White, you know, just trying to change the first name. Now you got Matt White. Maybe he's the next great Patriot running back to catch balls out of the backfield. But, oh, you just had you just had to mention the Patriots again. You just had I mean, it's Patriots. White. It's White. I mean, James White won us to the Super Bowl. Why I don't get why you get so upset. You know, I'm comparing him to a great football player. Ah, but it's got to be the Patriots, though. Like, who, who would you like to compare him to? Who's his NFL comparison? Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley. Saquon doesn't catch the ball out of the backfield all that much as James White does, though. Not now. But when the Giants had Eli Manning, it seemed like that was always a little pass to Saquon, right? Also, Saquon's been hurt a little bit recently, too, so we haven't been able to see as much of him. You don't the uh, throw the ball out of the backfield to a running back, no. He's not a great quarterback, so that's probably why. Didn't Eli beat Tom Brady twice in the Super Bowl? I knew you were going to say something like that. But anyways, <laughs> under, under-recruited sleeper prospect going into his senior year. Yeah, then our last topic to get into now before we wrap this up is, well, it's June 1st of 2021, and you know what this means? The dead period is officially over for high school. It's been, uh, what, 15 months? It's been a long, long time. Official visits are back. Unofficial visits are back. This is going to be about the craziest month ever. You're going to be seeing a lot of schools cramming a year's worth of recruiting into one month because all you could really do was – Watch guys film, see their throwing sessions at the park. I know I saw some, I read some interesting stuff this weekend actually, where there was one high school that actually, because a lot of coaches when you're scouting, right, they're right behind the quarterback about maybe five, 10 feet back. So they set up the cameras about five to 10 feet back. So they set it exactly from a college coach's vantage point. They recorded in their entire just college recruiting combine at their own high school. They sent that film out to colleges with the exact kind of views that college coaches would have to do that. So you had to get very, very creative over this last year, year and a half, especially if you're a recruiter too, because you couldn't just do in-person stuff. It was way different. A lot of kids that were arriving as freshmen this season, you had never met them before, unless that was on a Zoom call. Usually you've met these prospects from visiting your campus. You visited their house, had some of their mom's home cooked meals and all of that. But it's been different with that virtual world, but now you have all of this back. So this next month is going to be crazy. But how do you think that this is going to really just – how crazy do you think, I guess, this next month is going to be and how much is this going to change recruiting again with everything that's taking place? I, I think you'll see an uptick in recruiting for sure. I think we'll see a lot of Twitter posts about guys going on official visits because at the end of the day, you want to you want to see the college that you're going to. Um, and a lot of these kids kind of just said, you know, I can't do that. So they picked a college uh, not being able to do that. So I think you'll see a lot of kids saying, uh, you know, I went and visited this. I know there's a lot of camps coming up as well. Um, we have something in the works as well. We'll announce that soon. But I think you're going to see a lot more recruiting um, posts on Twitter as well, just saying like, hey, like I went and visited this school. Um, and then as we get to the middle of the month, I think you're going to see a lot more kids receiving scholarships and offers um, from some of these schools because I think the offers are just recruiting coordinators are like, I am finally get to go out. And I think they're going to want to go out. You know, they haven't been able to do it for 15 months. And 
for most of these recruiters, that's all they do is go out to different schools and go talk to kids and they're used to it. So I think that they're probably itching to go back out there and it's going to be fun. I, I think it's been well overdue. Um, the fact that we were playing high school football and it was still the dead period doesn't make sense. Um, but we're here. When we made it to June 1st, we're finally open. No more dead period. And NCAA, I think everyone knows how I feel about them, but at least uh, they didn't push it back one more time. And it's going to be going to be fun. It's good for the kids um, to get that opportunity, the official visits and all that sort of stuff. You only get to do it one time. So I'm glad that they're going to get this opportunity here in the next month or so that's going to get jammed into, you know, a year, like you said, 15 months worth of recruiting into a month is going to get crazy, but it'll be fun for sure. It will be. Like you said, you're only a kid once they get this experience back. A lot of these kids do to visit schools and it's hard to say you want to go to a college if you've never visited. I know they've done everything they can with virtual recruiting visits and getting those three tours, but that only says so much. Yeah. Like much when you can actually walk around campus, meet some of the students, meet some of the players in person, check out a practice, check out some of the lifting sessions, maybe lift with some of the kids, check out where you would live, check out just even local restaurants, some places that you think really fit in for you. Now you get that chance. You can meet maybe advisors. You can meet so many different individuals now in person again. So it's it's going to be a big, big thing for these kids to at least have in-person recruiting again. Do you think anything sticks, though, from this virtual thing? you think you're going to see more just FaceTimes, I should say, and maybe some more Zoom calls in the future just come out of this pandemic, yeah. just mean with, with recruiting going forward? I think, I think for recruiting coordinators, it makes it a lot easier. You can cover way more ground in, you know, a day instead of picking one or two schools in an area that you have to go visit in that one day. You can now go on Twitter, find highlights. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing is Twitter uh, recruiting has absolutely taken off, and I don't think that's going to change. You're still going to see all the recruiting happen on Twitter. Um, I know it happened before. I just feel like it grew a lot this year. So I think that's going to stick for sure. Um, other than that, I, I still think that there's going to be more Zoom calls, but at the end of the day, the recruiting coordinators still want to go out and see them in person. So it's not going to be fully all Zoom and all highlights and whatnot because at the end of the day, like quarterback, you want to – Excuse me, you want to see it come out of his hand. You want to see the guy get hit. You want to see all that sort of stuff. So um, not going to go back, not going to stay the way it's been for sure. Yeah, and you mentioned the quarterback spots about the hardest to evaluate. I've read some stories over the weekend where college coaches and recruiters said that's the hardest position because anyone can throw just routes on air at the park with their friends. But what do you do when you're under pressure? What do you do leading an offense? What do you do with audibles? What do you do when pressure gets to you? What do you do in the biggest moments? What do you do when you get hit a few times? There's a lot of different things. How do you actually see the ball come out of their hands in person too? It's, it's not easy. I mean, it's not easy recruiting anyone. Um, at the end of the day, these are 16, 17, 18-year-old kids, and you don't know how they're going to develop over the next four years, and that's with everyone. You know, Stars have to align a lot of the times for, for everything to go right for you, no injuries, all that sort of stuff. So it's hard to recruit in general. Um, and one thing you can't measure is what we always talk about is heart. And that's kind of something with Nisa, uh, who we talked about earlier, he has heart. And that's one thing that just can't be measured most of the time. Uh, yeah, you can't measure someone's heart. You can measure the size of the line, but you can't measure the heart of the line. 
And that's one thing that recruiters love to have, especially if you're not at an Alabama or LOC, right, where you can't just always get the five stars thrown into your program every day. You want to get some of those other intangibles as well and find some of those diamonds in the rough and find some of these sleeper prospects as well. So this recruiting thing is going to be fun to see. It's going to be great to see what happens for a lot of these Bay Area student athletes going forward because I know we really were just behind the curve with the season getting pushed back and all of that. But that does wrap that up for the 86th edition of the West Coast Preps podcast. We have a lot more coverage coming to you this week. We have some volleyball action tonight as well out in the lighthouse to stay tuned for that. So be sure to subscribe to our YouTube page. Also subscribe to our newsletter. Follow all of our social media content at West Coast Preps underscore. And follow all of our stories and content at westcoastpreps.com.